your host again, Taz from the Den of Owls podcast. I believe this is uh, one-on-one episode four, aka the segments. And today I have somebody that I want to say uh, caught me off guard. I want to say that, but we clicked from the first time we met each other via a group. Would you like to introduce yourself? Well, that was a nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Half introduction. Yeah. But yes, um, it's true. My name is Serena. Do I have to give my government name? No, 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 no. no. Serena's fine. Serena's okay, fine. thank you. All right, so everybody that listens to my one-on-ones, they know what it's about. I think the people that I know, I trust, and... They have a good story to tell, so it only seemed right and perfect for you to be one of my guests for this one-on-one thing, right? So, I'm just going to drive straight into it. How was life, or when did you find out when you have sickle cell? Like, when did you find out? Um, well, I didn't know till later, um as a child but my parents found out um when they had me so um at birth they tested me because um an indication is when a child is born with jaundice they check for um sickle cell this was Mm -hmm. in new york okay it's in new york yeah Yeah, i I forgot i forgot you're you're american (laughs) (laughs) okay so Moving forward, how was life with sickle cell? Is like, do you play team sports? Uh, what what was your do's and don'ts having sickle cell compared to other kids that have no sickle cell? Well, um, I think, I guess there was a do and don't kind of list, especially from your doctors. But you would be able to know what your body is capable of doing mm-hmm. from what it's not, and so. Um, I learned from early on not to limit myself. I learned from early on to just be a kid, Mm -hmm. um, play as a kid, everything. Um, It's when I got older, um, in grade school, Mm -hmm. middle school, uh, that's when I noticed, you know, track wasn't the best thing for me, like long distance running. Um, Anything strenuous. Okay. Anything with running. Like, you know, you have gym, you have to do your laps. I couldn't do my laps, you know, uh, to the point where they had to question what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And that's when my parents stepped in and advocated for me and said, um, you know, you, that um, this is what she has. And she won't be able to do everything that all the ki- other kids can do. Okay. For the viewers that don't know what sickle cell is, can you give a brief description or what it does? Well, sickle cell, it's a blood disorder um, where the hemoglobin that carries the oxygen throughout your body mm-hmm. releases the um, the hemoglobin releases oxygen earlier than it's supposed to. Okay. And then that creates um, the blood, the rest of the blood turns into a sickle shape. So that's why they call it sickle cell disease. And that is when both your genes have the S gene. Okay. So in order for me to end up with sickle cell disease, uh, 
both my parents, well, they found out that both my parents had the trait. Mm -hmm. So once they have the trait, now a child um, born with sickle cell disease happens one er uh, once. It's a possibility to happen once out of every four pregnancies. Oh, so it's pretty much common. Yes, it's a gamble. Wow. It's a gamble because, yeah, one in one in four pregnancies, the child can come out normal. Two out of four pregnancies, the child comes out with a trait. And then one out of four pregnancies, the child can come out with um, the disease itself. So when it comes to medication towards sickle cell, like what do you need to take or is there... Um like a time frame that you need to take your medication, kind um, of insulin or something. Well, you know they recommend penicillin for the children mm -hmm. going up to a certain age, and then um, after that, if any infection in, in uh, occurs, especially during their crisis, then um, you know they could be administered antibiotics. Okay. So. But other than that, um, they do have us um, try to have uh, those who need it um, to be on hydroxyurea. And that helps reduce the amount of crisis that mm -hmm. we might have um, and reduce the so-called sickling of the blood within the organs. Okay. So it was all about the... Um you're talking about the the air, right? So, wouldn't it cold environment be pretty bad for your body? Well, as long as you're getting the oxygen that you need, mm -hmm. I think. Um, yes, there could be poor quality air, somewhere thin air. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not recommended that we fly mm -hmm. um, because the air is too thin, so we're not getting enough oxygen. oxygen. Um, Shit. I didn't even know about that till mm. I was an adult. I've been flying <laughs> <laughs> everywhere, She's back and forth, you know, back and forth to Jamaica, yeah. back and forth to the States, everywhere in the States. Like, and then it's not until I joined, um, an organization here in Ontario, uh, that advocates for patients with sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not until I joined that and that was about 11 years ago is when I found out about, you know, the caution about the flying. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, after that, um, you know, like just figuring out certain things like, let me go back. One thing, the main part about sickle cell disease is the fact that excruciating pain comes along mm -hmm. with it. I just want to ask you like, pain like because this was your blood and this was your oxygen so of course your joints will be painful at times yeah they if if the um cells are sickles they're they're sticky and rigid mm. and so then they all clump together in very tiny areas so where you know the blood is passing through the joints yeah. the veins are passing through the joints so that is when um most of the time our pain starts in our joints mm. that's what sets off a crisis um, and then it could, some people, it spreads, it moves on, moves down or it moves up or, or moves across the chest. Um, or people just have it one specific place okay. and they always have it at that place all the time, but everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Everyone's different. And, um, 
that's basically when they clump together in those areas, that's cutting off the circulation yeah. basically. Um, and not, um, and then that's producing the pain. So pretty much the way that I'm taking it in is that you're in pain almost 24 seven. Um, a lot of people are, um, I mean, I think with me, I'm in pain almost 24 seven because of the fact that I'm older mm -hmm. than what they expected. Okay. So growing up, they, uh, expected me to live up to maybe my twenties. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what they would tell us, um, back then. But you know, I'm way past that. Um, and so now they have to deal with us getting older mm -hmm. and, and possibly ailing as well. Do you believe that you uh, surpassed their expectancy because your diet or you think that the disease is not as bad as it was back in the day? Um, I think it's because um, a little bit of research, a little mm. bit of, um, um, you know, better technology was available mm -hmm. in helping them uh, help us manage uh, the disease. disease. Yeah. So, you know, back then I was going to sick kids all the time. I was always at sick kids from, I think, age four to 18. Mm. I was at sick kids all the time. So they, you know, you get familiar with everybody. You get, um, uh, you know, you'll, I guess because we're kids and it's a sick kids hospital, people are going to donate money yeah. to research, donate money for a wing just for the kids. I'm dealing with sickle cell so. and stuff like that. So that's what happened. And, um, I mean, that's what I think has happened because I remember going to sick kids in a little tiny clinic and then later on, you know, we're in a bigger clinic and, um, as we get bigger, we're in another clinic. Like, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking, you know, there must be some donations going on, some campaigning, something going on for sickle cell. I mean, as a kid, you're not really paying attention to all that stuff. Yeah. You're just paying attention to how many times you're being admitted. Mm -hmm. Oh, not again. Me, I would always cry. I would always cry, um, not wanting to stay because I knew they were going to tell me that you have to stay, stay over overnight. Yeah. And that was like terrifying, but I knew I had to because of the amount of pain I was in. Mm. So, um, I'm not too sure. Like you, you asked, when did I know? And not too sure when I realized that mm. I am sick and that I have to watch what I do. Okay. Damn. Like hearing like stuff like this is, it's pretty, I won't say terrifying, but it's shocking because your blood and oxygen is your main component of your body being functional. And for you to have little sickles going through your body and could, can even cause like blood, uh, blood clots and stuff? Yes. So, um, it can cause, um, stroke. Yeah. So you have that coursing through your body every day and your joints are pretty much hurting every day. Like. I know a lot of people they'll probably give up and they'll say, you know what, I just wanna sit down my whole my whole day and don't do anything. But as for you, you want to push for the people to say, Hey look, I have it. They told me I'll live until twenty. I'm beyond that now. You can too. So I think for you, you're giving I guess the younger the younger generation and your organization as well a good voice or a good shoulder to lean on and say, Hey look your life is not over. You could do things, maybe not 100% normal, but still get out there. 
And I think that's a good message that you have, especially with your little campaign. If you want to speak about your little campaign, about your little t-shirts and and the way that you're trying to make your your voice and your campaign more global with your um what's it again um I'm a walking miracle. I am a walking miracle. Yeah. So with your merch, I guess even that too, like even like little trinkets and merch, it goes a long way. Um people see it and they wanna push forward with it. They want to see what's what it's all about. Cause to be honest with you, like before I even met you, I didn't know what sick so was. I never heard about it. Um no my family has it. I don't even know if they do, but I never heard of it. And then once I got to know you, you you telling me like, hey, like my joints hurt or hey, when it's too cold, it's it's a wrap for me. You know, like I need I need heat. Mm-hmm. And it's like what the hell like like it's like arthritis. Like I, I don't even know what sickle cell is, you know what I'm saying? So I had to like research myself and looking like, oh like if it's not really treated properly, like it's dangerous. Very dangerous. It's dangerous. Um especially what you're dying to like diet is a good key factor of having a good health and I guess it'll be more beneficial f- for you because of your joints and oxygen and the blood flow so I'm assuming that you have a good diet when it comes to veggies and stuff because veggies is good for your oxygen I mean you know I was told about my diet early on yeah. and um, actually it was by family Mm. not by the doctors it was by the family by family and they talked about it this was um this was about 25 years ago because this is around when my mom passed away mm-hmm. so um it was about 25 years ago is when a family member came up to me and said you know you have to look at your diet and uh eat more uh, greens i remember veggies um greens and uh, all sorts of vegetables mm-hmm. So from there, I've always tried to be conscious of that. And then, you know, later in my years now, it's like <laughs> diet is very important, yeah. very important. Um, I've already tried something um, for the month of November because uh, someone on Facebook actually um, encouraged, uh, was, inc- um, you know, told her story and we're encouraged to join her in her journey of reducing our uh, sugar intake. And so we did that for the whole month of November. And you know what? Um, it For me, it was, you know, I'm more conscious about my mm-hmm. sugar. I'm more conscious about all the other names of sugar, uh, you mm. know, yeah. and all the other ones, the surprise names. And you know, I'm more aware, I'm more conscious, I, I re- reduce my intake and I feel better about it anyways, mm-hmm. because even though, um, it took a month, like I, I lost four pounds. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's good. So not only am I trying to be healthy because of my age, I'm trying to be healthy because I don't want to age any further or any faster than I should when, um, I'm not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's like a conscious decision right there. So I haven't had issues. Like I have a dietitian that I speak to Mm -hmm. and she guides me. She understands me. She understands the culture and all that stuff. So, um, she understands the cultural foods that we'll eat. Yeah. Um, and so, 
you know, she helps me through that. So, you know, that works out. I'm always drinking my water. <laughs> water, water, water. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yeah. Right? Always hydrate. Um, hydration is already good for you. Um, but even more so for people with sickle cell. So back to the blood issue. So as someone that has sickle cell, are you allowed or can you donate blood? Um, well, from what I understand, it is not recommended because, mm-hmm. um, unless, um, I think it's not recommended. Mm-hmm. I know for, I think those with sickle cell, um, trait, I think can donate blood, but I think they take their plasma. I'm not too sure. You mm-hmm. guys would have to check out um, Canadian Blood Services uh, for those details. Um, but I, I, I did attend some, uh, you know, like a little seminar where they were talking about all that and people were asking questions. So, um, but yeah, Ca- Canadian Blood Services would definitely be able okay. to tell you. Uh, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll look into that because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a mind because let's just say like you want to like really deep down want to give blood but you cannot right or vice versa you need to get a blood trans, uh, transfusion like what like is it a risk because their blood is has no traits or no whatever it's not, um, you know what I'm saying like is it safe for you to get a transplant if there is a trait Right, so I think what you're trying to say or ask is that, like, for for example, if somebody um, like me need blood, yeah, is it safe to just get any type of blood or, like, blood mm-hmm. from... Um, if someone has a trait of it or... Not a trait of it. What it is is our genotypes okay. have to match. And if our genotypes don't match, then that the recipient may um, develop antibodies, okay. um, which will make it harder the next time for people to find a match for that recipient. Ah, okay. So um, the best way for um, genotypes to match is um, people that come from the same um, country. Uh, di- um, I would think diaspora. Um, so. So if black people are able to donate blood, then more black people will be able to receive mm. blood and won't um, develop antibodies and reject, you know, the next match. Not reject it, but make it harder for them harder. to find another match okay. without all those antibodies. Okay. So I'm get a little personal. A little personal. Let's get personal. <laughs> <laughs> so with the sickle cell, right? Is it harder to find... A partner because um, like you want kids or whatever right do you have a higher chance of your kid having sickle cell or having a trace of it um the only way you're gonna know is if you get tested okay the only way you're gonna know if you get tested so yeah you, you if you already know your status yeah um and you're dating um I feel like if things get serious you don't have to tell them at the beginning mm. you're just meeting them I'm saying, like, if things are going to turn serious, you feel like it's going to go f- to a, yeah, the next yeah. level. You know, I feel that's when the best time, when it's it. the best time to bring it up and ask that person, do, do they know their status? The person might say no. 
and then you guys can actually have a date mm-hmm. and going to go to the doctors and get tested for sickle cell. The date at the, the date at the doctor. Yes. Why not? <laughs> why not? That's your first. That's your first major date at the doctors. At the doctors getting tested for sickle cell. Yes. Wow. Okay, so let's just say um, he doesn't mind or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you are you a higher chance of getting sick during your labor or during your pregnancy? Um, high risk. Mm. So I was labeled as high risk um, when I was pregnant with my daughter. And so back then what they did was have me visit the clinic every week mm. throughout my whole entire pregnancy. pregnancy. Every week I had to go in all the way downtown. Um when I was living in Markham yeah that's far so <laughs> every um every week I remember yeah. it was like yesterday Tuesday morning I had to be down there bright and early and um yeah it was considered high risk but thank god I was okay I was good um I mean I think in my last month I felt some sort of pain one night and stuff like that and I didn't even take much for it I just um I wasn't too sure what to do but um, I just took Tylenol. I was fine. You're fine. I was fine. Um, I had her. I had my daughter. I felt okay, but my blood my blood count didn't did drop. Mm. Um, usually, you know, someone with a normal blood count is around 120, but um, I think mine dropped. I'm I'm usually around 80, and that's my normal. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think after I had her, it dropped down to 60. So they gave. Mm-hmm. I remember them giving me two pints of blood. Yeah, but you know, for me, I'm very grateful for donors. Very grateful. I've had many um, transfusions, blood transfusions, and there's others that continue to have blood transfusions, manual exchange, blood exchange, or um, apheresis change. Um, uh, exchange and um, you know that they have to go every three to four weeks out of their entire yeah, life yeah. you know so um, that's another thing I learned as well being with the organization but um, blood's very important yeah I mean you'll see things out there in 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 the news you'll see things that oh there's a cure um, you know someone was cured by it and all that stuff um, through um, bone marrow transplant. Mm. Um, I already will see the news. I already know about it, but I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I already know mm. that it, it's not an actual cure for everybody. Uh, okay. It's not for everybody. You have to have somebody in your family that matches you. Mm. And mostly it's siblings. And if you don't have a sibling, Sibling, you have really no one to test against and stuff like that. So it's not an actual cure for every single person. And then people will send it to me and WhatsApp it to me and all this stuff. So yeah, look, look, look. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> okay, like I know. Huh? That sounds like a painful uh, cure for the bone marrow. Um, I, I, you know, it, it, it sounds like a lot of stages. They have to go through a lot of yeah. stages. Um, um, because I'm from what I understand, bone marrow, any kind of bone marrow transplant, it's like yeah. very risky. Yeah. Um, and you know, yes, a, a few people have been cured that way. And, um, I'm actually got in contact with somebody. I was in contact with someone who actually had her transplant and she was ordering my merchandise. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be a miracle too, man. She wants to be a warrior mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any guests that I have, I'll ask them this, this type of question. So as somebody that's in plenty of groups, plenty of organizations to the point that I can't keep up. Um, what do you try to teach 
and give back to your communities? Oh, wow. Well, it's just mainly education. I'm just educating. Like if mm-hmm. if I realize it's an opportunity for me to bring up, bring it up, um, I will do that. Um, you know, right now I've, I've been able to go out there and um, be interviewed um, by, you know, um, a program that was on the radio by uh, professors at their university. Um, and, um, you know, I was able to be interviewed, yeah, by the news and all these different people. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized what I was doing was finally using different platforms to, um, you know, bring out the awareness because it's almost like a, a topic that nobody wants to talk about. about. And that's how it was growing up. Nobody talked about it. I knew I was sick, but nobody really talked about mm-hmm. it. Um, and you know, I realized growing up, I never talked about it and only with my closest, closest friends. Um, and then they would be guarding me like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, just making sure I'm okay all the time. And I realized, but I can't be the only one. Yeah. I can't be the only one that has sickle cell or at least, you know, somebody with the trait or somebody that knows somebody. Mm-hmm in their family and that's when i um decided i wanted to be more involved i just didn't know how and that didn't happen till way later um didn't happen till about 12 years ago so 11 12 years ago is when i finally was able to delve in and really get in um with just helping people Mm -hmm. a lot of people just need help a lot of people are not able to work or they can work but not sustain the job due to sickle cell due to sickle cell and you know with that three month um, probation you know we can get sick anytime it can happen anytime and you know we pray that it doesn't happen within those first three months of our first job kind of thing so it's like um, we have to watch out for that. And then the main thing that sets off a crisis is stress. Mm. And so then you're stressed out because you're hoping at work, you know, from all the hours you're working at work, it's not going to affect you and you're not going to end up in hospital. And then you have to tell your workplace and then they're going to tell you, Oh, you're not a great fit. Stuff like that. They'll yeah, find a way to let you go. They'll find a way. Um, you know, so then that's why we encourage people to be, you know, be their own boss, be their own boss. Mm-hmm. And that's a good segue because as we talked about being an entrepreneur, um, I know during this time of uh, COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs. But at the same time, too, a lot of people start doing online hustling or online uh, ventures. Um, some people did stocks. Some people did real estate. You know, people are getting into the digital bank, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So how did you enter or if you have or have not entered the matrix or like to call it the matrix to sustain your COVID pandemic lifestyle. I hate, I hate the word lifestyle, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, like, well, um, you know what? I, I really don't even know what happened, but all I know is that, um, I just started thinking about, um, those that are on disability. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how, um, you know, you're, you're listening to the updates every day, every morning. You're there on the radio or watching it on TV, the updates every morning. And then I'm waiting to hear them say something about people on disability or people with a disability yeah. or people 
um, you know, not able to work full or part-time. And so I realized, you know, I re I did reach out uh, to the politicians in my area and I asked them, what are they going to do about disability? Mm-hmm and uh, those on disability. And the answer I got was, here's a list of food banks. So I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you for the list. But what what's happening with, you know, because the government somehow figured out that in order for you guys, for all of us to sustain um, a decent living throughout COVID, mm-hmm. let's give everybody $2,000. Well, okay. That's for those who are working. Um, that wasn't their. That's on. That was their income. They might not even get that much. Yeah. But that's what they're getting. What is those on um on the disability on ODSP OW CPP? What are they getting? Nothing. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Nothing. And you know what we get from those agencies is half of what somebody on say long-term disability would get half of it's half of what they would be getting as a salary you know part of their salary so how do they expect people to at least function Mm -hmm. so i i realized like you know there had to be some kind of disability awareness and that's how i started thinking about my t-shirts i i i i came up with i am a walking miracle because um I used to have a um, a walkathon team called We Believe in Miracles, and so I said, let me just try and come up with something for a T-shirt instead of We Believe in Miracles. That would be specific to just um, the walkathon team. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me come up with a more generic title, and that's I don't know. I am a walking miracle. Came up. I'm pretty sure it was with the help of my daughter. Yeah. And um and then I just used three different hash I three different types of hashtags, um, sickle cell warrior, sickle cell matters and living warrior and living warrior is more for people who has gone through, um, you know, an event in their life where they feel that they are a walking miracle. Yeah. So it's for anybody else as well. It's not just sickle cell. Okay. Okay. I probably need to get one for myself. Oh, in black and I think black and green. I, I, I like that uh, color scheme. Oh, the head. aquamarine. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. The upcoming, yes, yes, I you like do. That one, I like that one. That was nice. That was nice. I can't lie. That was nice. So with that being said, right, with all the ups and downs dealing with sickle cell, how is it being dealt with in the, the healthcare division? Like when you go to the emergency or go to your doctors, how is it being taken care of? Are they giving you extra care or... They're treating you like you're like a parasite because, like you said, you're you're there almost twice, maybe three times a month, right? Like, are they giving you the special care or or aren't they not? Like, um, well, what is interesting is that um, the government um, has recognized the fact that uh, recognized what we've been saying for the very long, for a very long time, which mm-hmm. is we felt that we were not being treated properly. We're not treating, we're not being treated like all the other patients that, you know, come in pain, uh, come into the ER with pain. Mm -hmm. We feel like we're not treated like a human being. Um, We feel like we're treated like we're drug drug addicts because of the amount of um, 
pain medication that we need, the amount of opioids that uh, some of us need is quite high. But they have to remember that we've been taking all these type of medications from when we were young. So to us, the high medications, the high dosages, there's really nothing. Like candy. Basically. And most of the time, we just want something to just hit the pain and mm-hmm. stop the pain. Reduce it and, and get rid of it. That's all we want. We do not want to live with the pain. We don't want to have it every day. There's times when we try to manage it at home. So it'll go on for days and we're trying to manage it, manage it. I don't usually do that. I usually like if a crisis really comes on, I already know I'm going to have to go to the hospital, Mm -hmm. the type of crisis that comes on. And then if I, if I, um, if I let it continue after maybe two or three doses of me take, um, trying to manage it uh, from home, I already know I have to go to the Mm -hmm. hospital. That's the last place most of us want to go. We don't want to go to the hospital. We don't want to take these massive amounts of medication. You know, we just want to live a normal life. Yeah. Just without medication, you know, without having to be careful and um, always thinking about what we can and what we cannot do. Damn. So the way I'm looking at it um, deals with pain and blood flow and oxygen. My two recommendations, or I think that will help you out, and I think you're already doing it, um, will be medical marijuana and physical therapy. Do the doctors recommend those two? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, um, well, they always ask you for exercising. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but I, I need motivation to exercise. Um, I need somebody there with me doing the same thing. Um, mm. something like workout buddy. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There mm. was one point in time I was doing that, no problem. And then after that, I was going by myself. I don't know. I just need the motivation. But um, I did well during COVID. I did um start moving. Um, you know, walking. Um, exercise. Um, stuff like that. So. The next thing I want is a bike. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a bike so I could just go bike riding. But um, I think just me trying to keep myself mobile mm-hmm. is my goal. Um, so I am able to walk when I get older um, on my own, like by myself, um, stuff like that. Like I want to be able to uh, be able to, you know, move around and do things. Like a regular... Like a regular person. Regular smuggler person, eh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a regular person. It'd but be great. Growing up must have been, like, awkward. Like, your friends are going out to parties. you not really going out to parties. Oh, no. Don't get it twisted. I was at parties. Oh, okay. All right. So... I was at those parties. So how about, like, drinking and stuff? Like, normally... Not supposed to drink. <laughs> but I was drinking. Oh, okay. Well... Not to, I don't, I don't want to say regular people, but not to people that don't have sickle cell extent. Like, you were still partying and you were drinking, but to your limit. Oh, yes. Not like going overboard. Like no, 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 no. I, I still would just be cautious. Like, I would have one or two drinks and that's it. And that's it. Kind of thing. Um, Because most of the time I was always on medication. So I didn't want to, I didn't want any adverse effects, especially around my friends, especially, you know, wherever we were and stuff like that. No, I didn't want to do all that. You didn't want the attention? No, Mm. no. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't want the attention. I don't want to give it to my girlfriends because then next minute they'll be like, no, Zarina, you can't go out. You shouldn't go anywhere. Wow. Nah. So sports was kind of a no-no for you. Nah. I mean, okay, see, I compromised with, with, um, with um, track and field. So mm. I couldn't do the strenuous stuff like, you know, long distance and, you know, four by four and all them things. I four couldn't do all that. <laughs> I couldn't do all that stuff. But what I did would be like running long jump, standing long jump, high jump, mm. you know, the easier things. Um, um, no, because I realized I couldn't really do that type of sport in grade school. I did the long distance run and I collapsed at the end and um that's when I realized I can't do stuff like that because mm. I couldn't even breathe it was scary it was absolutely scary since you're American <laughs> um do you see only, uh, only by paper do you see a difference between our healthcare di- uh, between states and, and Canada um well I you know I left well, I left the States when I was really young. Okay. And I went to Jamaica first, then came up here. So um, I'm not too sure how the healthcare system was back then. I do understand that they don't have free healthcare mm-hmm. like we do. Um, so I, I've always thought about it like we must be grateful. My parents must be grateful yeah. that they were able to, you know, land in um, Canada and um, access healthcare that um, otherwise maybe they wouldn't have been able to in the States. Okay. So... Since we're still in COVID, right? Do you see yourself making your own organization or making your own brand to push out? Because like you said, like you want people to become their own bosses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you see yourself doing it in the next couple of months or maybe like two or three years? I like say, you know what? Let me do my own organization or my own brand mm-hmm. or um, my own committee and then go from there. What I really see myself doing is... um creating my brand and collaborating with those that are already in the system, in the, um, in the, um, community mm-hmm. already established. I think it's better to collaborate, um, other, you know, instead of reinventing the wheel, um, you know, we work on each other's expertise and mm-hmm. knowledge and, and lived experiences. Yeah, that's true because you, you pretty much helped me. <laughs> <laughs> If for you guys that don't know, like Serena's the one that helps me out with um, my marketing when it comes to my photography and um, gives me honest feedback when it comes to my food and my labels. Um, how do I communicate with my with my guests and my customers? Uh, she, I call her my manager because like she really does manage me, and uh, I think people need that. Um, a lot of people, especially in our community, the black community. They want to do everything by themselves and they hate any negative feedback. For me personally, I love negative feedback. I write a negative feedback than positive feedback because I could grow up. I could level up twice as fast from negative than positive. And that's what it does for me. Like she, she tells me the negative stuff like, oh, you know, maybe you should do it like this. I'm like, all right, let me try it. Other people have been like, nah, this is my vision. That's how I see it. But no, like sometimes you need to sit back and relax and have a good, I don't want to say shoulder to cry on, but a good ear to listen, like a good ear to talk to. And they could show you the world in a different view. And I think that we need to do that more often with our fellow black people in our community. 
Absolutely. Uh, I don't want. I know this is this is your interview, but I have something to get off my chest. <laughs> uh, for example, prime example. I'm not gonna name the name of the place, but there's a place that sells like these gourmet Jamaican patties or Jamaican um, sandwiches with the patty inside of it, right? So I live far. I live near Candles Wonderland, and this place is downtown. I want to say downtown. So I'm driving from let's say Vaughn to downtown, and as soon as I get there. Uh, they're out without a food and, and get away 50 minutes it's like why do black establishments it's either they ran out they don't have or you have to wait 40 to 2 hours for the sandwich I'd like to know the same thing um other communities I don't want other races you just go there and buy the food and, and, you're, and you're good I don't understand why for us it's a, it's a hassle and then when you don't want to wait and you're being polite about like no I can't wait. I got somewhere to go. They give you attitude, um, which is a no-no. If you really want a business and if you have um, a tendency of selling out your food or being short on stuff, double up. Don't even double up. Uh, do like a little bit of more prep for the next day. So instead of being, let's say you're behind 40 minutes to an hour, you could be behind 5 to 15 minutes. But when we talk to our community's establishments, they take it as a slap in the face. Uh, do you see uh, the same type of um, aggression when it comes to our people? Oh, I see it a lot. Mm-hmm. I see it a lot. And, you know, and every time I am, say, in certain establishments, I still try to give them the um, um, benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, I always want to be able to, you know, walk in and say hi, good morning, or hi, good afternoon, or good night, you know, and be able to order my food and I get a smile back mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's possible. If I see that I get the smile back, okay, they're conscious about they have to be conscious about what they're doing. Um, knowing that there is that stigma about um customer service being very slack. <laughs> Or not there to begin with. <laughs> or not there to begin with. So um, I'm thinking they're consciously putting that smile on their face when they're responding to the customer. and But that makes me feel good because I'm like, okay, I can continue with an actual, like I can actually have a good conversation with this person. Yeah. And when you want to actually continue to talk to that person, which usually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's, it's hard because I'll give them feedback or I would um, drop off like a sample of my seasonings and my sauces. By the way, I have them on my car for you. I, I forgot it's downstairs. But I always do that. And then they always give me a cut. I like, I don't need your stuff. I'm just like, it's not that you need it. It's just that I'm giving myself out to you. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, who are you? Whatever. And they're like, well, my name is Tazrell. I am a chef. I have these awards. I also supply to these restaurants. I have, I also build and made the menus for these restaurants as well. And then when I tell them this and I get my business card, they feel like I'm trying to stunt on them or mm-hmm. I'm being too good or being too arrogant towards them. I'm like, no, like I'm here to network. And if I can network with no problem, no hassle with people outside my race, why the hell is it so hard to network people inside my race? Um, it shouldn't be that way. It should be like, all right, I see you doing your thing. Um, let's network. Why is it like kiss teeth or get out of here? You don't know what you're talking about. Blah blah blah. I've been cooking longer than you were born. And I'm just like, 
It's uh, because we weren't taught to network. We weren't taught mm. to share. We weren't taught to, yeah, I think we were never taught to share. We were never taught to share. We were never taught to, um, um, you know, mix and mingle and mm. tell our business yeah. kind of thing. They'll say, oh, you're telling your business when really maybe that other person could have some knowledge on yeah. something and, and be able to um, help yeah. just because they want to see you succeed. Yeah. But then, you you know, your family's like, nah, and your business and all that stuff. And yeah, we were, we were basically taught to keep things to ourselves yeah, and not to share. And I see this in the community a lot. Like, even for me, like, if I go to any, well, I'm lying. So when COVID first started, the first thing I did was let me support the small businesses first. So I went to all the small establishments, ate their food. Um, told them those would be fine. Give them a large tip, mm-hmm. everything. My my business card and all that stuff. If they need a hand or uh, uh, some way to help them deliver a prep, mm-hmm. I got them. Mm-hmm. But at the same way too, like they took my my generosity as being arrogant once again. I was like, no, like, I'm trying to help. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just sit back and relax. And once I did, my own community again was like, oh, somebody that has a a, a brand and a big name. You're just sitting back while uh, the bigger people are feeding off of us. I'm just like, no, I went out there. Mm-hmm. I ate everybody's food. If it was bad or whatever, I gave them pointers how to fix it and or try it this way. And they told me to move off and you know what you're talking about. I've been cooking this. This is my grandma's recipe or my great-grandma or my great-grandpa. And I was like, I right, whatever. And then the other hand, it was like, oh, you didn't want to help us... Um, you want to be with the white people and this and that and it's like no like when it comes to networking and all this stuff I'm always the first person on the line you may not like my feedback but I'm giving you from the heart I'm not gonna kiss your ass or sugarcoat it and I'm gonna tell you how it was like hey look this sandwich is great but if you would have changed this bread to this bread it'll be cheaper and on top of that too you'll have uh, a better tasting and better long lasting yield when it comes with heat and then I feel like sometimes when I give them like the chef analogy mm-hmm. it goes to their head or they think like I'm trying to use the big words so like con them or whatever but I know it's like I'm trying to I'm, just, I'm trying to see every black person shine but that is but that's not common within our uh, it's not common mm. within our community to want to see someone else shine because then they feel like they messed up missed out on their opportunity that should have been their time yeah. Um, you know, I know people are now, um, understanding, um, well, I mean, with the other organization that I'm with, I'm with another one that uh, (laughs) deals with, with youth and, um, you know, we, the first thing we teach them is about, um, mingling, meet, meet and greet, how to introduce yourself, um, how to talk about something on your first encounter um and and stuff like that and you know it was quite interesting to watch and and basically watch these kids grow Mm -hmm. you know grow from being a shy uh person who didn't really talk to anybody to actually being you know the debutante of the year and um you know um and her life has changed and and, you know, the bowl of the years, life has changed as well because they've learned so much more about themselves, um, so much more about their community because I make sure to take them out in the mm-hmm. community. Um, um, and, 
um, the power of volunteering. Um, they've learned that very quickly, um, you know, because there'll be kids that have to do their volunteering uh, th- during high school and they might see it as a bother or whatever. But once they, I'll, I'll grab them up and say, okay, well, come volunteer for our organization. And then that way they see the, vo- the you know, the benefits of mm-hmm. it and um, gladly volunteer the next time I need them. Speaking of volunteering, uh, I wasn't really a good, honestly, yeah, I wasn't really a good person with volunteering. Like, I didn't think it was boring. I just felt like I could be doing something else more. Um, so something more that could help me out for the long run. But when I started hanging around with you and you had all these events and all this stuff, I'm like, yeah, let me just go. Like, I'm going to get paid. I'm like, sometimes money isn't the end goal. Let me just go. And I'm seeing like all these people coming towards you or people that you know is all smiles and love and network. I'm like, yo, why isn't like, and it's all people are color too, you know? So it's not like it's a, a big venue. It's like a small little gathering of, of people that sew or people that um, do photography or um, uh, musicians and this and that and dancers. I'm just like, I've never seen this for Cause when I try to do it myself or be around it, there's always commotion. There's always, he said, she said, there's always, uh, entanglement somewhere about, uh, uh, um, in the group. But here it was like, no, it's all professional. That's why I advise you guys. If you see Serena on, what's it called again? On Facebook, the Toronto black, what was it? Black Toronto community. Mm-hmm. If you see her post or whatever, please check it out because it's all network. Like when you, you go there and also have your business cards as well, because that's good to hand around or have um, an IRL code and people can scan your stuff because you'll go there empty handed, but you're going to leave out there with at least 10 to 15 business cards. Because I think it was last year I did the sickle cell thing on was it Nathan Phillips Square oh right yeah I'm down in Nathan Phillips Square I just didn't make it no let me just bring some sauces and some seasonings and I think I bought a couple of um, hot chocolate mix uh, that I made I had a little booth I'm like yeah no I'm like the weather's kind of kind of crap nobody's gonna come by and people just coming by asking me whatever and I was networking I was like this is for me it was odd like I was like this is odd um, <laughs> Why was it odd? <laughs> because people don't really do that. Like I've been to almost every um every uh, marketing or networking events from mm-hmm. downtown to Barrie, Sudbury, and Scarborough, everywhere. And it's just people either doing the same thing and they're being like uh, petty, or people just have their own little corner and not seeing the damn thing. Um, and then when you try to go there as a customer, it's always no, 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 no. Don't come. Don't go there. Don't go there. I have, I have a better price. I'm a, I'm a thing tastes better. Mm. But for you, it was like, yeah, yeah, go there. And then when you're done here, check out uh, this young guy over here. Like you know, he he he's special. He has some good stuff. And then when they come to me and uh, I tell them, oh, that guy in that booth told me to come to, to come see you. I was like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, he told me to come see you. And I was like, oh, okay. Caught me off guard. And then I'm like, yeah. And then connect. To the next person behind us, and then we connected to um, I think there was a hospital or a physiotherapist person over there too as well. And we were talking for a good thirty minutes talking about uh, food and seasonings that are good for arthritis pain and all this stuff. And we networked. I'm just like, this is different. This is really different. And people want to help you. 
and that's what we said earlier like it's rare for black people to help each other but they really want to help each other so if you guys see serena's post on black toronto community or community black toronto i forgot what it is it's on facebook have been on facebook for a while because some some uh some unfortunate business happened to my facebook but yeah you can check her out she always has stuff to, to network but with that um do you feel like you give too much of your time to your organizations that you are in oh we have to go there then well people have in my life mm-hmm. <laughs> have told me that i am giving a lot of my time you need to slow down say no yeah. <laughs> that's the hardest thing to do um i don't know i just look at it like somebody needs help yeah and i'm capable of helping i'm gonna help i don't know that is it just I don't know. It's something that flourished um, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Always helping the teacher, helping the kids. Want to go babysit, help someone who's sick. Yeah. This person doesn't have lunch. Okay, I want to cook my lunch. Like, Damn. I did all that stuff. Cooking people lunch too? Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy. No, because I always think that people need me time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're four figures, six figures, seven figures. 10 figures doesn't matter you need your me time to recharge yourself and i've known you for a while now and i feel like you have no me time yes i bother you from time to time too when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to certain stuff and then something i gotta say like you know what serena has about like 10 maybe 12 <laughs> organizations she has to deal with then on top of that she's kind of an uber driver to some of her friends and some of her colleagues and some of the little kids or members that need to get stuff. And on top of that too, she has to um, cook, see her, see her mom and uh, see her dad and, and, and the stepmom. When is her time? Let me just, <laughs> I'll call you when I, I'll call you whenever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you need to just turn off your phone. Well, it's so interesting because today I just <laughs> told my daughter, I said, I'm going to put my phone on. Do not disturb. <laughs> And do not disturb for the next couple of days, because mm. I got some stuff to do. Yeah, because I know you want for start. myself. Yeah. I need to do stuff for myself. Um, I mean, just before COVID, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from late last year, just before COVID, I was trying to take some me time, and that would be my Mondays. Mondays mm-hmm. was my personal day. Um, I, that was recommended by my doctor only because he recognized that, um, he's wondering as well, what do I do for fun? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) You know, what do you do for fun soon? I'm like, sleep. I don't know. And you know, he's like, when last did you feel joy? And I'm like, joy. I don't know. So, um, I said, well, in order for me to even get close to that, Mm -hmm. I would have to take the time out for myself and that's when i started taking the mondays for myself so people knew don't call serena on monday Monday. you know don't bother her or you can email her or whatever but don't expect her to answer you till the next day kind of thing and it kind of worked kind of works but then covid hit and that that all went to hell so i'm back to (laughs) i'm just back to whatever well technically you're you're slow technically covid slowed you down it did because if it wasn't for covid you'd have been all over the place. I would be and... booked every single weekend. Yeah. For some kind of function. Yeah. Some kind of dinner dance. Some kind of event, anniversary, mm-hmm. something. 
all the way up to n- next week. Yeah. Because we'd have the Christmas party too and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much COVID kind of saved you. It did. Kind of saved you. It did. You know what? I I was so happy for the lockdown. I actually I actually sat at home. I'm like, oh, I get to cook now anytime. Mm-hmm. You know, as many times as I want. Yep. Um, and eat. <laughs> That's it. It was the best thing ever. And watch TV. If you haven't watched TV. Then watch TV. Watch my movies. Catch up on my movies. Mm. That was the best at the beginning. I, I was very happy for it. Mm. I it didn't I didn't mind. It didn't bother me whatsoever. Mm. So these are my last two questions. Mm-hmm. Question number one. What have you learned in 2020? What have I learned in 2020? Yeah. Um, I learned that... When I speak, people actually want to hear. Um, I've always thought, you know, whatever I say or talk about was, never mattered mm. at one point. So when I realized now I have a voice and people actually want to hear, um, I realized I have to take advantage of that. Okay. That sounds like a really good lesson to learn, to be honest with you. My last one. What has COVID taught you? What has COVID taught me? Yeah. What has COVID taught you? It has taught you patience. Um, fear, paranoia. Wow. Um, COVID taught me, um, I don't know, reality. It taught me reality. Um, you know, I've, I'll always be preaching, you know, pain is real. It's real people. This is Mm -hmm. their reality and blah, blah, blah. To the point where I have to, um, explain, like compare different types of pain to sickle cell pain and say, I prefer pregnancy pain over sickle cell pain. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, whoa. So that's something that they can measure, mm-hmm. right? So now I'm thinking if I can, like COVID has taught me reality as well because of how fragile life is. Yeah. Very fragile. Um, but I consider myself very lucky. Mm-hmm. A lot has happened. Um, lost a lot of good friends and family yeah. this year insane and um actually not even one was covid related but it still has me focused on the fact that life is very short yeah life's very short it's too short count your blessings um and it's made me it's made me go for what i want mm-hmm. and 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 stop just dilly dallying and just <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Yeah, there's no Whatever. time to waste. I always tell you the same thing. Like, <laughs> just go for it, man. It's, uh, life's too short. For, just, for just politics Life too short For bullshit Just do what you gotta do It doesn't work out It's man Just call yeah. it a day Yeah You know what I'm saying But Thank you once again I think this is Long overdue You know We're both dealing with some stuff And this whole year It's been uh, Ups and downs And I also forgot to She also helped me out with uh, A few of the models That I have On the website as well She's the The talent or or model or model searcher or seeker. I forgot the title of her thing is but you gave me the I, title. So yeah, I, I forgot. Like... I don't say I want to say like a talent search or something like that. Oh my god! She'll find me models that will suit to um the shoot needs. Uh, yeah. I'm always grateful for that. You know, I always say thank you, and I never just say yeah, whatever. You know, like I always put it into what's like yo, like you don't really have to do this, but she really does do this. Uh, a lot of people don't do that no more. A lot of people don't network. A lot of people don't help each other out. Which is sad. Um, hey, Tabswell is a great businessman. 
Yeah, I tried If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, I tried again, but people still trying to hate. But <laughs> it is what it is. But thank you again, Serena. I thank think you. I want to say this is episode four of the one on ones. I want to say episode four. I do. I do too much stuff, right? and I always forget. I think this is episode four. Um, is there any socials that you want to put out there so people could buy your merch or oh, see wow. your process? Well, as my friends say, I'm terrible with advertising. Um, yeah, my merch is I am a walking miracle. So you can find me on IG for now, website under construction. So I am a walking miracle on IG. All right, you heard it here, guys. Uh, also, update we are finally on Spotify. So, all of our old episodes that are on YouTube, I think we have 13 or 14 episodes on YouTube, they're going to slowly integrate to Spotify. So, once a week, we're going to be uploading our old stuff. But if you want to see our newest content, it's always on YouTube first. Like I, like I always said, this is more than a podcast. This is a network. We have plenty of playlists from me cooking, <laughs> me and Mo doing our bike life, uh, our bike life tours around the city on our bikes. We have media coverage from uh, events that we do. We do media production as well for podcasts that need the video aspect or even need our equipment. We also have that as well. Uh, we do information panels. Uh, we do interviews. Uh, with camera, I mean, with, uh, with video from local events, people that are in the community, and also friends and family. Uh, I think we have a, at least a good 12 playlists, so you cannot get bored with our content. Um, everything there is for everybody, and also we have clips as well. So if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, which is fine, we break down each podcast to every 15 or 25 minutes. So you could take 15 minutes here. Another 15 there, vice versa. So, like I said again, this is Taz from the Den of Owls podcast. Thank you again for Serena for coming through, or should I say, I came through <laughs> <laughs> and we got this happening. Thank you, no problem. See you guys. I want to say next episode, episode 14 with the six of us. I want to say next week, God knows, uh, cause of lockdown. So hopefully next week you'll have a new episode on YouTube first and then on Spotify. All right, guys later.